Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, happy Easter. Welcome. Thank you for joining us online. For those of you who don't know, my name is Danny Henderson. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church. And man, we are stoked that you are with us. Uh, Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Losing My Mind. Losing My Mind. And I know for all of us at this point right now, we're starting to feel that way, right? We're just losing our mind in this season. And what we saw is this overarching theme that our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And and as we dig into that a little bit more today, we realize that our minds are actually really, really unique. Because see, if we think about it, the way it happens is for all of us, we, we gather information, whether it's through a video or whether it's through someone teaching us, whether it's through learning through a book and reading, we all gather information. But what makes us all different is that our minds then take that information and then they filter it through our personal experiences, through our preferences, through our perspective on life. And while we may get the same information, you and I are going to process it completely different because of the way that our brains filter it. And then once it goes through the filter of our minds, what happens is we build our beliefs off of that, our actions, the way that we view life is all built around how the information is filtered through our minds. And and what's so awesome about it is that it's not that the facts are any different, it's that the filters are. And so we want to talk about those filters because those filters shape more than we could even imagine in our lives. And and a funny story for me, one of my strange filters is is one of my grandfathers growing up. He used to tell me all the time, he said, now, son, don't you marry a redhead. If you marry a redhead, she is going to leave your tail. And I don't, I don't know what happened in his life. I don't know what redhead messed him up for the rest of his life. But he made sure to tell me time and time again, don't you marry a redhead. Don't you date a redhead. And you know what? I never dated a redhead. Not a single time in my life did I even process it because that weird, strange filter was there in my mind. On a more personal note, one of the things for me, one of my filters that I'm proud of is that I feel like God has wired me to find purpose and potential in people. I feel like my my calling in life is to be able to help people reach their potential, whether it's through encouraging them or just sharing something I've learned or just helping them find the information that they need, connecting them with the right people. I'm just passionate about potential. And so when I meet you or, or when I hear about someone, what happens for me is that I filter the information I'm getting through the filter of their potential. Okay, what's the potential in this organization? What's the potential in this person? What's the potential in this marriage? What's the the potential in in how this relationship can work out and and what God can do through it? And and I'm just passionate about it. And I love it so very much. And I think that's an important thing for us to learn about ourselves is what are those filters? And so today what I wanted to do is share this idea of how we can reshape or reframe 
those filters. And I found this definition of, of this idea called reframing, and it's this. Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation, person, or relationship by changing its meaning. It's a different way of looking at things by changing its meaning. We're, we're going to talk about reframing today. But just for a second, this is why we're so passionate about discovering purpose at City Hills Church. It's why it means so much to us. Because I believe that it's so much greater than just positive thinking or negative thinking. It's so much greater than just trying to just have good thoughts in the morning because I genuinely believe that your unique purpose will shape the way that you view life. Your purpose, just like my purpose, I feel like is helping people reach their potential. Man, that shapes everything in my life. And I believe that God has a unique purpose specifically for you. And the more that you can spend time discovering that and learning that from your creator, the, way, the more it's going to just reshape the way that you view life and the way that you move through life. And for some of you, you might be asking right now, why are we talking about this at Easter time? Like, isn't it Easter Sunday? And there's a couple of reasons why. One, let's just be real. This is a really unique Easter. I've never spent Easter sitting at home on my sofa watching a message Easter Sunday feels completely different, but in this unique season, I believe God has something unique and powerful for you you as well. I believe that God wants to do something truly special in this season, but in order for us to find it, we have to work on what's going on up here. The other part of that is I believe that there's a story in the Easter story where we see Jesus actually living out this principle. We see Jesus actually reframing a situation that he's walking through. When he gets to the end of his rope, when he's just broken mentally, we see how he leans on God to do that. And so as we we jump into the Easter story, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 26. And we find this story in all four of the Gospels. And, And if you're new to the Bible, if you find a story that's across all four of the Gospels, it means it's a pretty big deal. And so we see Jesus in this situation in all four of the Gospels. And it's in the point of the Easter story where Jesus has just had the, the Last Supper. They, they shared communion together, him and his disciples, uh, just like we did a, a moment ago uh, with Lauren and, and your family. And Jesus, in this moment, is starting to feel the, the gravity of what's about to happen. And so he calls his guys together and he says, hey, I need you to come with me. We're going to go over here and we're going to pray. Because Jesus understood what he was about to walk into. Jesus understood the weight of it, the pain that was coming, the moments of, of loneliness that he would feel. And what did he do? Is he turned to his heavenly father, the ultimate source of strength and support. And so we're going to pick up in verse 36. Matthew 26, 36. It says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
And he went on a little further and he bowed with his head to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42, then Jesus left them a second time and he prayed, my father, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, let your will be done. Then when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Verse 44, he says, so he went and he prayed a third time saying the same things again. And verse 45 is my favorite. Then he came back to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. I, Jesus, every once in a while in his life, in the, in the Gospels, he just gets a little sassy. And I like sassy Jesus. He, he just makes, go, go ahead. By all means, I know what I'm about to walk through, but by all means, you, you, you take your nap. You go ahead and get your beauty rest. You have no idea. And as Jesus is saying this to them, probably not as sarcastic because he's, he's a lot nicer than we are. But in this moment, he sees his betrayer coming. He says, but look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, our betrayer is here. And Jesus, knowing what was ahead, needed God to help reframe and remind him of his purpose. In this moment where he was mentally broken when he was to the point different versions of this story says he was he was praying and, and crying so hard that blood was coming from his head from his sweat I mean Jesus was broken and what he did is he turned to his heavenly father and he said God not not my will but your will my purpose that you put me here for that's what's going to drive me you see Positive thinking wouldn't have gotten Jesus through what he was about to work, walk through. Positive thinking, waking up in the morning and go, okay, I'm thinking good thoughts. I'm thinking good thoughts. It wasn't enough to get him through what he was about to face. The only thing that could do that for him is purpose. It was purpose. His purpose and his mission here on earth for you and I was the thing that was able to push him through his moment of brokenness. And as I was writing those thoughts, I thought about for some of you, because some of you, you're in the same exact boat. The things that you're walking through in life, the things that you're facing, the uncertainty, the season that you're navigating, you don't just need positive thinking. You don't just need a, a can-do attitude. You need something much deeper, and it's purpose. It's purpose. And as you find that purpose that comes from your creator, it will provide everything that you need to make it through the season that you're walking through. It's not just positivity, because positivity can be found as you lean into your purpose that God has given you. It'll be that energy. It'll be that passion. It'll be that purpose. It will be the driving force behind everything that you need in your life. Because you see, for Jesus, what he was about to walk through was incredible. He was going to walk through betrayal. One of his own disciples betraying him and giving him up to the enemy. But even greater than that, 
He was going to walk through the betrayal of his own people, the Jewish people turning on him. He was going to walk through abuse physically and mentally. People calling into question who he was and, and his purpose in life, beating him physically, stripping him, mocking him, spitting on him, whipping him, tearing his body to shreds. He was going to face abuse unlike any other. And then he would have to stand before leaders of the country and listen to lies that will eventually lead to his unjust murder. And eventually, he would die on a criminal's cross. All for you and all for me. He went through all of that. And the only thing that pushed him through, and we'll see it a little bit later in, in the message, the only thing that pushed him through was his purpose. But you know what? Easter isn't a celebration of the cross. It's actually greater than that. But before we get there, what about your life? What are those areas of your life right now that, that you need God to help reframe, to help you find purpose? How are you going to make it through what you're going through? How are you going to get to a place where you're not losing your mind? How do you find purpose in the pain? How do you find calm in the chaos? How do you find strength in the weakest moments of your life? I believe there's two things that we do. The first one is this, is that we reframe our minds by finding God's goodness. We reframe our minds by finding God's goodness. Because you see, the frame that we filter everything through is what's going to drive everything around us. It's what we're going to see. It's the way we're going to look at life. And for some of you, your framework is pain and distrust. It's the framework through which everything in your life is filtered. This person is trying to hurt me. This is a person that I cannot trust. I can't trust anyone. That's the filter through which everything that you take in in life is filtered through. For some of you, it's anger and bitterness because of things that you've walked through and, and seasons of your life that you've been through. For some of you, it's unforgiveness and isolation. And it's not just isolation because of the coronavirus. You've been isolating yourself for years. You've been navigating life on your own because you feel like, I can't trust anyone. I can't forgive this person for what they've done. And I'm not going to let anyone else in to be able to hurt me the way that they did. For some of you, the filter that you just frame everything is through shame and insecurity. That your fears and your insecurities drive everything in your life. And no matter if someone says something good, you're able to reframe it in a way that you think that they're saying something bad. But at the end of the day, the way that we move past those things is that we reframe our minds by finding the goodness of God. You see, reframing is not passively just accepting how life comes to you, but it's actively finding the good. It's not just sitting back and going, well, I hope this is going to work out. It's actively looking for the good in your life. And when I think about this, I actually think about uh, my wife and I have two daughters. Uh, they're six and three, Brooklyn and Audrey. And man, there's some days when I get home from work that I'm just, I'm spent, right? We, we've all been there. 
And that's, of course, the day that they want to play hide-and-go-seek. And so what I do, and, and don't you judge me. Don't you come at me with your eyes. I see you looking at me. Sometimes what happens is I just kind of passively play hide-and-go-seek, right? I sit on the sofa, and I'm like, I'm going to hide under this blanket, and I'm going to lay on this pillow, and you guys go, go hide, and I'm going to count. And, and instead of finding you, let's play this fun game where I'm just going to call it out loud and see if I can just say where you are. And the girls think it's this great game. And the reality is I'm being a lazy dad. But I'm not always a lazy dad. There's just a couple moments. So, again, don't judge me. But it's not I, – I passively play the game with them. And I wonder how many of us in our lives, we, we passively play the game. We passively just let things happen in our life, and we just – we reframe it and we accept it. But we never take the action to get on up off of that sofa – and find the good that's in those challenging seasons. Sometimes for you and I, we get to a place in our life where we're not willing to take the steps to actively look for God's goodness in our lives. This statement has just resonated with me over the last few days. You see, reframing begins when we stop interpreting God through our circumstances and begin to interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. That's what reframing does. Instead of letting, this, this is a bad situation, therefore God must be bad. This bad thing happened to me, therefore I must be outside of God's will. Something bad happened in my life. I was hurt. This brokenness came. This pain came in my life. Well, then I guess God isn't who he said he was. Reframing changes the whole narrative. Instead of allowing our circumstances to interpret who God is, we allow God to interpret our circumstances, his goodness. And when something challenging comes into our lives, our attitude is not, oh, God must be absent. Our, our mindset becomes, God must be wanting to do something good through this challenging situation. God must have some good on the other side. God must have something he wants me to learn in this season. God must have something for me because if he's good, then I know that no matter what I face, he's going to bring good out of it. Do you and I believe that? Do you and I get to a place in our life where we filter our circumstances through the goodness of God? Or do you do what I do sometimes? We all do it. Do we allow our circumstances to determine how good God is. The second thing that we do together is that we reframe our minds with the truth of God. We reframe our minds with the truth of God. And you know, in 2020, truth is, it's a funny word. Uh, it's not what it used to be. Because there's a large demographic of people, there's a huge group of people that believe that truth is relative. That truth for you is, is whatever is true for you. you. You believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe, and, and your truth is your truth. And I don't know if you've watched any reality TV and watching anything on Netflix, but if I hear I'm just trying to tell my truth one more time, I may just burn the TV down, right? Like it's just everyone has their own truth. And I did some research on this. The, the Barna Research Institute said this, 65% of people believe that culture should shape what truth is. 
I don't know about you guys, but that's a little scary. Culture shaping our truth. 65% of people believe that. And then my generation, the millennials, I'm at the very, very top age bracket of millennials. 74% of millennials believe that truth is relative. Whatever's true for you is true for you. And whatever's true for me is true for me. And the reality is no matter how we spin it, there's a truth that is foundational through all of life. Jesus made it abundantly clear to us in John 14 and 6. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Apart from me, there is no way to the Father. And you know what? That's, that should be something that's easy for us, those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers. But, but can we just be real? Because it's, it's easy for us to judge those people and think, oh, how could you possibly believe that truth is relative? We know Jesus. Jesus is the truth. You're right. But do you and I live our lives that way? Do we legitimately live our lives as if Jesus is the only way? Or do you and I all the time kick him out of the driver's seat so that we can have the steering wheels of our lives? How many times do we ignore God's truths in our situation in order to let fear and insecurity, or maybe for some of you, control take over because we don't trust God's truth enough to lean on him. So before you and I go judging anybody as Jesus followers, we need to make sure that we're living and leaning into the fact that Jesus is truth. For those of you who are watching and, and you wouldn't consider yourself a Jesus follower, you, you're still trying to figure out where you are in life. It's totally okay for you to, to believe in your life that, you know what, I, I can still find good. I don't, I don't have to have Jesus. I, I can still find purpose without him. And, and you know what, you're probably right to some extent. Because there are, there are plenty of people who don't believe in Jesus that can do good things and they can find purpose in their life. But I happen to believe, and, and I'm passionate about it, that the only way for us to reach our fullest potential, the only way for us to, to lean into our greatest purpose, the only way for us to not just do good, but to be able to do greater things than we could ever imagine is through a relationship with Jesus. Why? Why do I believe that? Because I, I believe that when we think we can create our own truth, it leads to a really dangerous place. The reason is because our perspective is so limited. You may live 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, but even with that, your perspective on life is so small. I mean, it would be like my six-year-old daughter becoming the queen of England. She's, I feel like she has leadership capacity in her life, but she's not ready for that. She doesn't have the life experience. And what happens for you and I is that when we try to lean into us determining our own truth, we're trying to do it based on the things that have happened to us in our lives. And we just don't have enough information. But you know who we can lean on? The God of all creation, the God who is there at the beginning, the God who knows the end of the story, the God who created everything. He has the ultimate perspective and he says, hey, I want to share it with you. I want to speak it into your life. You see, a lie believed as a truth leads us to a dangerous place. 
I've I've always been really fascinated with like flying planes. And at one day I'll I'll get my pilot's license. Like I, I really want to do it. It's something that I think is just super cool. Uh, I'd love to do it and and I just I can't wait to give that a shot in my life. Well, could you imagine if I woke up tomorrow morning and I said, "You know what? My truth is that I'm an airline pilot." That's my truth. I saw a YouTube video and I'm good. Don't you judge me. This is my truth. And then I hopped into the cockpit of a 747 with 200 souls on the back. When it comes to landing that plane, it doesn't matter what my truth is inside of me. I'm going to hurt somebody. It's dangerous. You and I have to make sure that we're not building our lives on something we're believing is truth when in the end it's just a lie because all the while that we're trying to navigate life whether you're a Jesus follower or you're not we have an enemy of our purpose and the enemy of our soul who is consistently trying to get us to believe a lie he wants us to believe lies about ourselves he wants us to believe the lie that our worth is determined by our jobs is determined by our position it's determined by our financial status He wants us to believe that everything that we are, our identity, is shaped by what we do. For some of you, the enemy wants you to think that if anyone knew your past, if anyone knew what was really going on up here, that everyone would understand why you feel so worthless. The enemy of our soul, the enemy of our purpose, he he wants to speak lies about your life. That all you need is, is to just find, pursue happiness and pursue money and pursue status, and those things will help you. And, and one of the things, a guy that I listen to that's a sports uh, podcaster, uh, he says all the time, he says, wealth is a multiplier. It multiplies your good systems or your bad ones, your good attitude or your bad one, your good behaviors or your bad ones. And I think a lot of times we're pursuing wealth as this status that's going to fix it all. But the reality is, if we have bad issues going on inside of us, wealth is actually just a multiplier. I always thought that was a really fascinating way of saying it. For some of you, you're believing the lie that that I'm just trying to find this perfect job, that everything that I've been doing is just miserable and I hate it. I've always hated my jobs. There's a perfect job out there that will just fulfill me completely. For some of you, it's your marriage. You got into a marriage and you thought it was going to be something and it it hasn't lived up to the hype. And you think, well, maybe the next one would be better. Maybe this next relationship would be better. But can we just be real for just a moment? You do realize that discontentment follows you. Either you can learn to be content with what you have in life, content with what's happening in the season and and let God lead you to the next one. But if you're a discontent person, it's going to follow you. And I'm telling you that as a person who fights discontentment, as a person who is always looking for that next thing. And I'm I'm excited about what's going to happen next. And and God has had to teach me on this journey. Hey, I have you in this season for a purpose and a reason, and I need you to lean into it. For some of you, you've been believing lies about God. You've been believing lies that if I can just pretend like I have it all together, then God will bless me. For some of you, you you believe that God just wants to take away my freedoms. 
He wants to take away the things that, that I really want to do in life. And for some of you, you believe that whatever you've done in life is, is completely unforgivable. The Apostle Paul, he speaks to this in Romans 1.25. Listen to this. He says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and they served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. They traded the truth about God for a lie. Do you want to know what the truth is today? The truth is that God loves you and is passionate about being in a relationship with you. God loves you and is passionate about being in a legitimate relationship with you. The other thing is God has a unique plan and a unique purpose that he hardwired into you. You think your personality just comes from the things that have happened to you in your life. I believe God has uniquely wired you the way that you are because he has a specific purpose and a plan for your life. God promises us the truth is that he will be with us. That no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, God will be with you. And for those of you who believe that God wants to take your freedoms away, the truth is that God's boundaries are actually a blessing. There's never been something in my life that I was just driving towards as hard as I possibly can. And God said, no, I don't want you to go that way. There's nothing on the other side of that that's ever been better for me than what he has. If God is asking you to take some steps in your life to walk away from some bad habits or some things that aren't beneficial in your life, not even things that are a sin, if God is asking you and, and, and just drawing you away from those things, it's because he has something greater for you than what it is that you're pursuing in this moment. And what we all need to remember, the truth is that God's grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I told you earlier that Easter isn't the celebration of the cross. It's actually the celebration of Jesus's reentry. Because three days later, the world and all of eternity changed. Check this out in, in Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, I love how they just call her the other Mary, went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and he sat on it. His face shone like lightning, his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Now come see where his body was lying and then go and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there. Easter is the story of the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and for our brokenness. Easter is the ultimate story of victory over death. Easter is the ultimate story of redemption for our future. Easter is the greatest story ever told. 
But there's one last thing that I want you to see. It's, it's actually a little bit further in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. And I just think this is something that we need to wrap our minds around as we wrap up today. It's in Hebrews 12. And I want you to listen how the author words this. And he talks about how Jesus made it through what he did. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 2. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, look, don't miss this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't miss that. We're going to jump in verse three in just a second because his heart was focused on the joy that you would be his. Because his heart, his purpose, his passion, the thing that drove him, that God was reminding him when he was in that garden, the thing that was driving him was you. His purpose, his opportunity to be in a relationship with you is what drove him through the pain of the cross and through his death when he didn't deserve it. For you and I, the joy of being in a relationship with you is what drove him to endure the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation. Verse three, this is for us. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. When we focus on him, when we allow him to reframe our minds by focusing on the goodness of God and the truth of God, it changes everything. It strengthens us to be able to handle when our lives feel worn down and it helps us not cave in under life's pressures. So where do we go from here? What do we do from here? For some of you, you have to start a relationship with your creator. You have to start a relationship with Jesus. The things that we talked about today that he went through, it was for you. It was for you to be in the right relationship with him. And it's simple. The things that all you have to do is you believe that he is who he said he is. You, you accept his forgiveness. You realize that in your life, I must surrender completely to him. And then in that journey, it means turning away from those paths that lead you away from your purpose and away from the plan that he had for you. To be able to turn away from those things and begin to lean into the relationship that God has wanted with you all along. And then for all of us, we have to begin reframing our thought processes through the filter of God's goodness and God's truth. Find God's goodness in what you're walking through. Find God's truth to find the strength to walk through it. When we do those things, we reshape our minds. Let's pray together. God, I pray right now for every person who's hearing this message. Lord, I pray that you would just in this moment allow your presence to be so near to them that they cannot deny that you are near. 
Lord, I pray right now for those who who are ready to take that step of faith, that they're ready to begin a relationship with you. God, I pray that you would help them believe that you are who you say you are. God, help them to accept your forgiveness. God, help them surrender their lives completely over to you, to give you full access to their lives. And Lord, as they sit in this moment, that the prayer they simply pray to you is, is Jesus, I believe who you are. I accept your forgiveness. I surrender control of my life and I would trust you to help me turn away from those things that have led me away from you for all of these years. God, help them put their trust in you. And for all of us, Lord, I pray today on this Easter Sunday that you would help us begin to reframe our thoughts where we lean into your goodness and we lean into your truth. And that as we do that, God, our outlook on life is completely different than it's ever been. That as we saw Jesus facing the greatest opposition, he was able to get through it because his purpose was clear and his heart was aligned with you. God, align our hearts with you. Cleanse our minds. Help us to just renew our thoughts with your truth and with your goodness. And that as we walk into this next season, we'll walk into it with a newfound confidence because you are with us. We love you. We pray all of this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey, regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through. Know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.